This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by Rogue Reels. Head on over to Rogue Reels Fishing, that's reels with a Z, dot com, and take a look at the collection that Rob has. Lots of different gear from his shark rigs, or also known as the Mica rig, the Smitty rig for sharks if you also have the RC Fishing Surfer, the Demo HD Double Drop Surf Rig, which is a heavier mono line. Not to mention the setup with line cutters. Great product right there to get your lines all cut up and a few other products. Head on over to roguereelsfishing.com and get your stuff all set up to get out there and go get them fish. This week on Finding Demo Surf Fishing, <clears throat> we're going international, folks. We are going way out of Florida and we're going to Australia. And if you've been following me on social media, you saw me post about this not too long ago about talking with Go Fish Australia. Yeah, it's happening now. So if you've ever wondered about fishing down there, you're in for a treat. If you've never looked up Australian fishing, it's um, amazing is a word I guess I could use. It's wonderful on so many levels. The YouTube videos, the pictures, the brochures, all of it. It looks amazing. And tonight we're going to be talking with one of the local charter captains, Cody Edwards of Cody Edwards Fishing and of Go Fish Australia. We're going to talk to them about all of that and then some. So I hope you're ready. You listen to Find a Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. you all but i hope you're doing great wherever you are wherever you're listening to this podcast whatever you're doing may it transport you to back to the beach to get you out there with that line in the water and to see that tug and that line ben bring home dinner because that is the good stuff right there so like i said in the intro we're going to be going all the way to australia well already there enjoying the good life we're going to be talking with go fish australia's cody edwards of cody edwards fishing so without further ado let me flap on my mouth over and over again let's get right into it Cody, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. Awesome, mate. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, man. We were talking pre-show about some fun stuff. I wish you guys could have seen a little bit of that. I might need to do a Twitch one day so people can see what we're doing when I'm doing this. Uh, we were talking a little bit of fishing there. I brought up a picture of what I thought was a pompano. Um, and Cody said, I think it's a permit. And we're both pretty much like now we're both indecisive of which one it is. But it's uh, a hell of a fish. And I can only imagine the other fish that you got going out of there and the things you pick up. So I, I am extremely excited to learn about your fishery, how you do it, and all about your business and Go Fish Australia, man. I'm, I'm super pumped. Yeah, me too, mate. It's um, it's pretty it's pretty good down here. We've, we've got a really good range of um, fishing from, from the top of Australia right down to the bottom. We're pretty lucky. So you're primarily East Coast Australia. That's right. Yeah, I live um, about an hour west of Byron Bay, which is the east most easterly point of the country. Um, and where we live, we've we've got some really good beach fishing, uh, really really good freshwater fishing as well. And then um, if you if you drive kind of four or five hours north, you've got like your your barramundi and all those sort of sports fish as well. 
I've heard the Barramundi is quite the trophy. I mean, before we even get into the questions, you brought it up, man. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Tell me about those fish. Yeah, let's. All right. Um, so Barramundi are, are a little bit like a Nile perch, if you if you know what they look like. They're um, they're big and they're cranky and they're um, they fight like incredibly hard and and quite dirty. They will they will tangle tangle you around the first stick or snag or anything that that's in their sight. So, um, but they're they're really good sports fish and and quite good eating too if you get them out of the the salt water um, wild environments. So what? Going after them, what is the technique? Is it an offshore fish? Is it a beach fish? How, how, what, tell me about those. So mo mostly uh, estuaries, so saltwater to freshwater estuaries. Um, they can grow from, like, obviously you catch them around the 50 to 60 centimeter size, quite common, but they grow right up to like 1.3, 1.4 meters. So Holy crap, around that kind of 40, 50, 60 pounds. Yeah, massive. <laughs> wow, that is not huge, a tiny yeah. fish. But um, mostly, mostly lure fishing for them. So um, your shallow, shallow diving mullet imitation kind of lures. Um, surface, they love surface lures, so they're, they're really, really good fun to catch. I actually just came back from ICAST recently here in Florida, or the big uh, fishing convention, and I met the uh, the Halco team. And I didn't know much about Halcos before. I mean, the Halco popper. The rooster popper is a big, big monster here up in our area in Florida. Uh, really good. And then I learned all these other metal, great lures that they've got down there. Uh, I, yep. I'm like, I'm dumbfounded by their equipment. Uh, do you use any Halco stuff, or what? What, what kind of lures do you like to Absolutely. use? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The Halco, the rooster popper is quite popular down here as well. We use that on the beach for um, Taylor, Taylor fishing. So. Um, but the, the Halco 190 in the, um, I think it's a laser pro or something it's called. It's a, a big 190 mil red and white, typical mackerel kind of style lure, but it's an absolute gun for our, our jewfish off the rocks and off the beaches down here. Yeah. That colors, the new one they came out with this year that they showed at ICAST is, uh, and now it's a white and gray, but it glows in the dark for night fishing. Oh, and they got it in the rooster. They got it in the laser. And I think they have it in one other. And I was like, you, you guys can't do this. You Just take my money because yeah. you're telling me I can fish <laughs> during the day. It's beautiful on the color. Great shine. Great movement. And now you're going to let me do it at night on an iridescent glow. Oh, come on, man. That's not even fair. <laughs> There's no more hours in the day. You're no. fishing 20 hours a day. <laughs> oh, that'd be so nice. Oh, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the barramundi big angry fish and the, wow in yep. the middle of so fresh and salt together yeah so they need they need the salt to spawn so um they they can kind of cross over um one of the few fish that like their gills allow them to to breathe the salt water and the fresh water so they're pretty interesting but they um they have a lot of uh, stocked impoundments up in queensland um, and then the fish in there, they're just, uh, they're different. They're, they're, because there's no tide, they're not fighting against um, other fish for food. They grow incredibly quick and, um, and quite kind of fat, overweight, um, but still awesome to catch, but not as good at eating. Yeah, we run into that too. So when you get to a certain size, are they, it's kind of like how we have it with black drum or red drum. We have a slot, but 
they start getting wormy and kind of gamey on the meat side, I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely. Um, most of the fish in Australia, their eating quality comes from the environment they live in. So uh, in a freshwater dam, it's, it's, it's quite, I mean, it's a stable environment and the food isn't as good a quality as it would be in the wild. So they get that bit of a muddy taste. Some people say you can soak them in milk overnight and stuff, but we've tried that. And then, yeah, I'd just rather buy a steak or a packet of sausages. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that. There's nothing worse than bringing home a catch that doesn't taste good. Not at all. No, no. All right. So let's turn this in. Let's talk about you here. So tell us your story and what got you into fishing. All right. So I guess... My journey started when I was quite young. Um, I, I've been fishing ever since I can remember. And I think that stems from my dad. I come from a big family. We've got six kids. And um, every family holiday was was a bit of a fishing holiday, I guess. Where we, where we would holiday always had to be with water or, or a creek or a beach or anything like that. So I think dad thought that out pretty well. Um, but I guess that's where it stems from. Um, my dad and my brothers and everyone in our family kind of enjoys the outdoors. So that's kind of where it comes from. Nice. Seems to be the common amongst all anglers. Like, yeah, my dad dragged me out and then I fell in love yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, all right. So after all that time now, what type of fishing do you do or what type of fishing do you like to do? Oh, well, I explain it to people. I like to catch anything from mullet to marlin and everything in between. Um, I, I grew up fishing in freshwater, so I love my like Australian bass fishing. It's really, really good. Um, and then progressed into Murray cod, which are like Australia's biggest freshwater fish. Uh, but as soon as I got my license around 16, 17 years old, I was just driving anywhere and everywhere to go fishing. So saltwater, freshwater, um, obviously started working and every cent I was earning was going to new fishing gear and um, putting fuel in the car to go see see what was available. So. See everybody, it's an international problem. It's not just here. We all we all work to to get our gear. That's hundred percent. Yeah, paycheck. Ten percent can go towards a new rod and reel. Like, yeah, no, maybe fifty percent. Like that can all. I need that new reel. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. boy. All right. So when it comes to the salt, when we're talking into the beach side here, because I know you do with chartering and guiding, um, and we're gonna get into that yeah. here a little bit later. Uh, on your personal days or with that, when you're going to go out and fish from the beach, how do you plan your fishing days? Um, well, I do look at the weather. It's not a hundred percent. Like if the weather's bad, I'm not just not going to go. you got to go when you can. Um, but tide is probably what I would look at more than anything. Um, beach fishing, the fish use the tide to bring the food to them. Um, so on our gutters and beaches on the Eastern coast of Australia, we, um, we uh, generally fish the, me personally, generally fish the high tide and then the start of the run out. So the little bait fish will come in with the high tide and push up onto the beach as far as they can. And then the big fish will obviously follow them. And when that tide goes to move out is when your little fish have to leave the gutters. And that's when you'll find your jewfish and your tailor and brim and flathead and stuff will sit on the outside of the gutters and just kind of feed on the little fish getting pushed out by the tide. Okay. Do you have a better on the high tide, low tide? Do you have a preference or is it just you want a moving tide? 
Well, I, I like the high tide and then, and then the start of the run out. So that first two oh, hours yeah. of run out. Yep. Yeah, it's funny in different yeah. places. So I've heard uh, people in Jacksonville, Florida have told me they like, you know, high and low. Give me the top first hour, last hour of the tides. Uh, North Carolina yep. have given me a little bit more on the high tide. Um, they, they like the same thing, the top two on and down. Yep. And it's kind of funny. You, here in our area, we only have one tide a day in the Gulf of Mexico. And it okay. really messes people up when they come here. Like, well, when's high tide? I'm like, oh, it's like in another eight hours. Like, Wait, how? How? <laughs> we have one tide a day. Yeah. So we wow. get a little bit of fun movement here, but we have one tide messes everybody up when they come here. But whenever yeah, you go everywhere else, those, those, yeah, you know, <laughs> I can imagine, especially like <laughs> you, high tide, give me the top two. Like, yeah, you can stay out here yeah. another six hours, man. You're going to catch. Don't worry. You just, just sit down <laughs> yeah. and enjoy. Okay. All right. So you've got the top two on the high tide side. Now, have you planned that one out with the weather? Yeah. Cool. How do you select your spot? Um, if I'm going to a new spot, I'll probably generally spend 10 or 15 minutes just looking at the surf, seeing what the waves are doing. Um, 95% of our beaches on the East Coast, like uh, kind of central East Coast down, are very kind of surf rough. So like there's quite big waves. Um, so I just generally have a look around and see what's going on, you know, like to take in the environment is, is probably one of the most important things, stuff that's going on around you if you look deeper like have a look at the birds see what the birds are doing what point they're sitting on um all these sorts of things um obviously if there's people swimming or surfing try to avoid those areas because they're going to be um making commotion and fish generally don't like that but um yeah that's probably what i'll do if i roll into a new spot birds is an overlooked thing sometimes yeah don't know why yeah. So you talk about heavy surf in that area. Uh, is that constant or is that seasonal? I, I think to answer that, it, it would be pretty constant. It would be unusual to roll into a beach on the East Coast, say from Byron Bay down, and then not be any waves. That's just not a thing. But once you get to kind of um, just north of Brisbane in Queensland, there's the, the Great Barrier Reef, um, which blocks a lot of that surf coming in. So it's different conditions up there. Um so yeah, not like kind of fifty percent of our beaches would be uh, would be surf beaches for sure. But you've got to use that to your advantage as well. Um, gutters are quite easy to see when there's when the surf's rolling through. The waves don't break in deeper water. So if you've got a gutter, you can see where it is because the waves aren't breaking there, and the fish use that as a bit of a feeding channel. Yeah, I always call that the highway exit. You got that whole line. Yep. It's like, ah, oh, that's where you're. Don't worry. I'll put one here. I'll put one here. <laughs> yeah. One here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a lot of the same techniques we do. All right. So it's, again, throughout the world, we're all following the same stuff. I don't know why people are like, oh, that's, that's how we do it there. They don't do it there. They do all. We all do it the same. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you you got your spot picked. Now, how are you setting up your gear when you get to your spot? Now, what I mean by that is. Sand, like if you're using set rigs or, you know, how many sand spikes are you doing big spacing? Where are you casting your lines? Uh, we'll start with those two and then we'll get into the other ones here. All right, cool. All right. So basically when I go fishing, I'll take two rods. Um, I'll take one set up for bait and one set up with a lure. 
Uh, my bait rod generally kind of goes, uh, if you think of a, a gutter like a horseshoe, there'll be an entry and an exit. Um, so I set my bait rod up at one end and then I throw lures from the other end up, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton I of sense. Dude, like, I never thought about it. Like, like, a, like a, a horseshoe is not something I ever thought of. I always thought of a bowl. But that horseshoe makes a lot of sense. So a set rig and that. Dude, that's smart yeah. targeting right there. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm feeling, I'm feeling inadequate. All right. So let's talk about your set rig then. And then we're going to talk about your lure rig. What are you using yeah. for bait on your set rigs? So I'll, I'll run you through um, start to finish. So I, I personally use braid in the surf. I find it, it it just cuts through the waves a bit better. doesn't move your bait around as much. Um, so I'll generally run a 20 or 30 pound braid um, down to a, a fluorocarbon leader, same 20 or 30 pound. Um, I'll run a surf sinker. Do you guys use surf sinkers over there? We do. So you've got, I mean, you've got the whole gambit. You got frog tongues, pyramids. I normally use Sputniks. Uh, the ones with the wires that go in. So you got that football style and the wires that dig in. Yep. Okay. So what I would use is like, a, to explain it, it kind of looks like um, a spaceship kind of like, not a bean sinker. It's like a flat disc. So it doesn't roll around on the sand on the bottom and it doesn't tangle up your, your gear. So I'll, I'll run that on my main line down to a swivel um, and then down to a, um, a, a depending on the bait, a, a, probably a three or four O kind of size hook. Wow. Three out of four out. Okay. Get, getting after it there. All right. Oh um, yeah. 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 So let me back up a little bit here for your sinker. Cause I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So it's one of the flat round discs, probably a three, four ounce or something. Uh, yeah. That you're using That's right. that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And those hold up pretty well. Yep. The, they're not, they don't flop around much, huh? No, not too bad. No. Yeah, I'm excited for you. That's fun. We, just and and a little bit of movement is good for us. Um, if if it's kind of moving naturally on the bottom of the the sea floor, I guess you call it. Um, it's kind of it works better, I guess, instead of just anchoring it to one spot. Yeah, um, another angler that I follow very closely up here in our area, he likes to use the bank sinkers the ones that are basically just, I guess it's the same there as this here. You just throw it out and he likes it because it'll roll and move to where the rip current is or where the current is flowing. And it sticks that right in that zone of that feeding target. And he basically turns his rig yep. into a fish finder. So it's, uh, I've heard yeah, great nice. things about that. So I can imagine the disc being the same thing. It keeps you out there, but it'll move to where you need it to be. Eventually it'll creep itself sure. in without falling apart. Okay. Yep. So yeah, so the drop rig, we got that with that one. Now, what kind of bait are you normally throwing on there or it, is it so targeted? Depending on what I'm, yeah. Depending on what I'm targeting. Um, if you, if you're just going down there to catch a fish, um, I would go a smaller hook, probably a, a four or a six in a long shank. Um, and then bait wise, I would be putting on um, like a, a beach worm or a yabby or something like that. But if I'm targeting Taylor or Jewfish, those biggest size kind of beach fish we have here, I would go to like a, a, a minimum 3.0 up to kind of a 6.7. Some people fish 8.0s um, with a big slab of kind of mullet for bait. Mullet is such a great bait. <laughs> it's it's the best all-rounder you can get. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, 
it's one of my favorites. I mean, here we're targeting red drum and I'm using a lot of rig, rig, rigs kind of like this here. I'm showing him for those of you that are listening, we're actually doing this through video, but I'm showing him one of my rogue reels rigs and it's an eight dot hook on a ridiculous yep. amount of strength, but you throw that down there with a nice yep. chunk of mullet. Oh man, hang on. It's game. It's coming up. <laughs> Hell yeah. That sounds good. That sounds like a lot of fun you got there. Okay. So you run those ones. Um, and you already answered my other questions. So, okay. So you set those ones up there. Now, what I normally play with here is I kind of, so you run two rigs. You got that one. What are you playing with when you do your set rig, when you're throwing it out? You know, we're talking about the horseshoe. So you've got the inlet, the yep. outlet, and the bowl in between. Where yep. are you throwing your set rig at? Are you throwing it on the, the runs or are you going into the bowl? Where are you throwing it? Yeah, I would throw it on one of the, the runs or the entry or exit point. Um, just generally, you, you just find to have more luck with the fish there um, because that's what, the only reason that they're there is to feed. Um, sometimes the Jewfish or Taylor will come into that, that bowl you talk about and um, they might have a feed and then just kind of chill out, you know, and if your bait's sitting there on the bottom next to them, they're probably not going to eat it. But if they're sitting on the entry or exit, they're there for food and, and that's their, that's their only option. Okay. So you were talking about throwing a, so your other rig is a lure. What do you normally throw in with the lures? So if it's daytime, um, I'll generally just put a metal metal lure on and um, throw it for Taylor. So Taylor are like a, um, a fast moving, not quite like a mackerel. They're a little bit smaller, um, but they, they love that really fast moving metal lure, especially on the surface. Um, so anywhere between 40 and 60 grams, that kind of two or three inches, um, that'll, that'll, that'll catch your fish. Nice. And but, like when um, you're if you're targeting it, Jewfish, which is, sorry. No, go ahead. You're good. Oh, if we're targeting Jewfish, those, um, those bigger kind of beach fish, I'll, I'll use that Halco, um, in the laser pro and the red and white 190 mil, um, either that or a big white soft plastic. Uh, in a paddle tail or something like that and just hop it along the bottom. Okay. Man, that sounds like a lot of fun out there, especially being able to do it that way. So you get you get both worlds there going two rods. Nice. Um, yep. What length are you yep. using on your on your set rig and what length are you using for your uh, rig rod? So set rig, I would go in between like an, a 10 and 12 foot rod um, with like a five to 8,000 size reel. Um, and then my my lure fishing rod, I generally go a little bit lighter, maybe an eight to eight to ten or eight to twelve foot, um, with like a four a four or five thousand size reel on it. What what kind of gear? Uh, I mean, let's drop some names. What kind of rod and reel are you using? Oh man, my gear. I I fish a lot, and my gear isn't that good. You know what I mean? Like I I'm quite happy to use. I work at a fishing shop, so I'm pretty blessed with um, with with prices and stuff like that. But my my combo that I use is like $189 Australian for the rod and the reel. Um, it's a Shimano Sedona with a um, Shimano Class Classics rod, I think it is. Uh, it's 10 foot six, and it just does everything I need it to. Yeah, um, and especially with the salt and the sand, and I'm not going to go spend five six hundred dollars on a reel and and have it have it kind of stuff out on me in a couple of years because it's been dropped in the sand but i do have a lot of gear but it's just not all that like massive top shelf crazy price stuff 
same. Absolutely yeah. same. No, I, and I've told people this so many times, you know, you can go into the local big box shop and go pick up a Shakespeare and still yeah. be able to catch fish. You, you don't have yeah. to get into it. I've had one conversation where a guy looked at me. He's like, Oh, you don't have a van stall. And I was like, no, I don't have $700 to throw at a reel, man. What are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. My most, my most yeah. expensive reel is 180 US. And I had heartburn yeah. spending that 180. That, that hurt my, <laughs> that, that's real dollars. So, yeah. you know, yeah. don't, these don't think, a Shimano, Shimano makes great product. I cannot, I've yeah. got, several on the shimano side i'm actually going to be picking a new one up here very soon for my kayak which i cannot wait for i just need my wife to not cool. pay attention to the account for a month <laughs> but we're not gonna talk about that she sometimes listens to the podcast um, yeah. but no please don't even think about yeah no i i really as much as i do love name brand things on certain levels i fully endorse anyone that can get a gear piece of gear if it works who cares whose name is on it? And I know that's horrible to say. Exactly. That is just how I truly feel. And the funny part is, is my sponsors. I have two rod makers that I've used their gear. I use Ninja Tackle, 12 foot rods. They're seven and they're nine. Uh, I use his stuff. He makes it all. He has always been a big fan of like, dude, use what works. It's always been that yep. way. Uh, I actually picked yep. up a smaller company set of reels. Uh, they've been great online. It's a company called PC Fun. Um, nice. I ended up kind of finding out that them and I started using their, I've got one of their reels. I finally am about to, it's a, I think it's finally going to fail. And the only reason it's going to fail is because I let it sit for two months without being used. It got mad at yeah. me. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think honestly that gear, if it works for you, fit form function, you can't go wrong. Not even a little. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And specifically with that, that beach and, and saltwater stuff, um, you, you just cops an absolute flogging and um, to go and spend five or $600 on a reel would be ridiculous. Baycheck. This first Baycheck is being brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at everything that Chip has going on in The Sinker Guy garage. If you need to be set up with rigs, got you covered. Measuring tape, you know he's got them. The Baker 9-inch stainless steel scissors, which are great for cutting up crabbies and a bunch of other bait pieces. Yep, he's got you covered. Oh, and did you know he sold sinkers? That's right, he does. <laughs> they are definitely in the shop, so head on over to thesinkerguy.com. Get yourself all set up to get out there and go fishing with great products and great prices, really fast shipping. Thanks, Chip. People can do what they want. By all means, you guys go do whatever it is you like. Yeah. We we love and support yeah. you. Yeah. We do. So go ahead. <laughs> all right, so now we talked about that one. We talked about where you're throwing your stuff. Um, we talked about what types of baits and lures you use. Nice job on that. We talked about different fish that you've caught and you target there here. It's also yep. the same thing with our surf. I can imagine it's probably the same there is you can go out and you can target one species, but there's a great chance you're going to catch four other species and yep. it's a natural habit of the byproduct. Everything loves the bait. Is there a, when Definitely. you go to the beach, there's this, Hey, look, I really want to catch these fish to take home for dinner, or I want to catch these ones for the trophy. Is there a certain set of fish like that for you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if 
if you're going to the beach just to catch um, a feed of fish for dinner, um, you're more than likely going to run into brim. They're probably the most common fish on our beaches. Um, they're okay eating. They're, they're kind of quite bony and you don't get much meat for the size of the fish. And because of that reason, I basically let 99% of the brim go. They're, they're quite slow growing as well. So to take one that's 30 centimeters, it's like 22 years old or something, you know, they're really slow growing. So, um, but if you, if you're using that rig for brim, you're probably going to run into flathead as well. They're like a name gives it away a flathead. They're, they look a little bit like a flounder, but they're, they're more uh, elongated, I guess a bit longer and, um, really, really good eating, easy to clean. Um, you just got to be really careful of the spikes because they're, they're pretty nasty when they get you. Um, but there's other things like whiting and dart and um, oh, the list goes on and on. But um, the the brim, the flathead, whiting and dart, they're probably our main, main four fish you'll see on the beaches on the east coast of Australia. So when you say whiting, is, it white, is whiting the proper name or is it a kingfish? Um, it's a, it's a whiting. It's a yellow fin whiting. I think it's called oh, yellow fin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm tracking. So we have whiting here and they're, but our whiting are okay. called kingfish. So it's always that that's one thing that throws numerous people. As you start saying one name and people are like, wait, they have, hold up, hold up. It's not the yeah. same fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's just the, uh, the Aussie slang coming out, but yeah, whiting, I, I'm pretty sure it's a yellow fin whiting. Um, and they have King George Whiting, which are down in Victoria, which is like the southern southern end of Australia, down in South Australia. And they're massive. They're, I mean, I mean, massive as in like sixty to seventy centimeters. But for a whiting, that's that's huge. That is a big fish. Wow. Yeah. That that's yeah. That's pretty large. You know what? Just because you're on here, I'm, I'm going to have to do this, and I can edit this out later. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we do. So yeah, we can go southern, northern, and Gulf kingfish, and these are our right. white. <laughs> well, these are our, we've got three different. We got southern kingfish, we got the northern kingfish, which I like to call the combat king, uh, combat whiting, with this nice little camouflage pattern on here, and then the yep. Gulf kingfish, little very similar to the southern, but these little tasty taco morsels, man. Mm. Good. Oh, they are delicious. They are absolutely must be something about the name. Yeah, it's always the name thing. They're they're really tasty. They're good fish to go with. Um, there's a really good picture for Texas. We have that. That's a little bit better on that. Um, and they Is don't get. Yeah. What's that? Is that a combat whiting? Combat. Uh, the yeah, this one's more so. But yeah, you can see right here the real yep. difference. Like that's a really good live difference. So you got the Gulf. And then the northern right there, you can, you know, the color change is significant. Yeah, definitely. But uh, the, the tail, always the same. But whiting is a delicious fish here. It's one of my favorite uh, bycatches when it comes to fishing in this area. You can't really go wrong with yeah. whiting. It's a great, great one. And they get to be about, I think I've caught a couple of, I don't know, 14 inches, maybe a few times. They're not, yeah. I mean, they get decent size. But real tasty. Yep. All right. I sidetracked myself cool. there. All right. <laughs> so we talked about kind of fish you can target. What is your favorite fish to target? Oh, I saw this question come up, and it's a tough one. Um, 
I mean, where my heart lies is fresh water. So my, my favorite fish to target would be Australian bass. But if we're talking beach fishing, you can't go past the Jewfish there or Mulloway. They've got two names. But um, they are they can be there one day and gone the next. They're like, they call them silver ghosts. So they're, they're big. They fight hard. They taste good. Um, extremely difficult to, to get a pattern on them. Um, they're they're they, like I said, they can be there feeding one day and you go back with exactly the same bait, same rig, everything, and they're gone the next day on the same same turn of the tide or whatever. But um, Jewfish, because of their their size, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle between not going too heavy but using heavy enough gear to be able to get them in. So when we're talking big, like they, they grow up to five feet long, like a 70-pounder is, is a good-sized Jewfish. Um, so your gear has to kind of just be heavy enough, but not too heavy because they won't eat your lure or won't eat your bait. If you're using hundred pound leader, they're, they're that smart. And sometimes I've caught Jewfish up around that kind of 1.2 meters that, that feel like a little peck, like a, just a, like a, a bait fish tapping at your bait, tapping at your bait. And all of a sudden you feel the weight and bang, they take off. And the first run from a Jewfish can between being between kind of 60 or 80 meters, 100 meters at a time without stopping. So uh, if they're going with the tide, you just got to go with them. You got to run down the rocks or, or run along the beach and try and keep up with them. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen again because this is going to kind of I want to I want to show you something funny. So you start yep. talking about Jewfish. So here's your Mulloway, right? Yep. Here's a red drum. Wow, it's very similar. Horribly similar. Like, I'm staring at it going, you call it a mulloway. I'm looking, uh, the only thing that's missing is this spot. Yeah. I mean, the, this fin, the dorsal, all of this is exactly the same. Yep. So I'm very like. Very similar. Oh. They must be in the same family. They must be. I mean, I'm going to have to look after the show here because I'm like, all right, let's let's take a look at all this one here. But it started getting me going. Yep. Like, you know, it's going to get me through the whole thing here. Um, oh. There we go. So we got the, yeah, I'm not even going to try that one. Not, not even going to try it. I've never been good with Latin. What kind yeah. of size do the red, the, the red drums grow to? So uh, 40, 50 inches pretty easily. I mean, okay. they, they can get, yeah. we call those bulls. So our normal slot is uh, 27 inches and under uh, to 14. Okay. I think I have to recheck the regs, but yeah, they can get, yeah stupid big yeah, and those are the super breeders they get yep. put back in um, but yeah that, that's funny how similar those two fish are because you start talking about I'm like why does that really? sound familiar and i remember thinking something about it. i had to go back and look so very close to our red drum okay so you kind of talked about this earlier i'm going to go ahead and skip it well uh, what do you do when you go to a new place because you you mentioned what you do there but this one is one that yep. i <clears throat> think a lot of people overlook um, how do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the fishing bite is not on fire? That's a really, really good question. I saw that one. And um, I think the first thing I will do is, is start to try something different. So instead of that red and white lure, go for that gold shiny, um, try and get a bit of a different reaction bite. So um, fish basically feed for two reasons. One is for food to stay alive. And two is it's, it's a natural instinct to try and, kind of get something out of their territory. So if something's really loud and shiny and 
just kind of pissing them off, they're going to try and whack it out of their, their kind of zone. So um, that would be my first port of call, I think, just to try something a bit different. Um, you can downsize. So downsizing your leader, downsizing um, your hook size, just kind of making it easier for them to eat your bait or your lure. Um, and then the third thing I would probably do is try and what I call fanning my casts around. So instead of just throwing your lure in the same kind of zone, um, have five casts, a bit like a clock. So so casts from, say, 9 o'clock right around to 3 o'clock out in front of you. Walk down 30 or 40 metres, do the same thing, cast from 9 till 3 and then walk down and just try and cover as much ground as you can, I guess. That's smart tactics. That, that's really good call. I, I never even thought about the clock method because normally I was just fire yep. straight, walk, fire straight, walk. Yep. That idea of walk out, you know, down there and just start walking the clock and then move, walk the clock, then move. That's really that's very, right. very smart. Nice point. Yeah. All right. So let's move into the comp. Let's move into the new other company here. Let's talk about Go Fish Australia. So tell us about the company, yeah. man. Go Fish Australia. So. Go Fish Australia, we do um, uh, fishing holidays, I guess you'd call it, down down in Australia. And um, we've got amazing packages um, specifically tailored for whatever whatever the customer needs. So from Darwin up in the Northern Territory, you can go um, helicopter fishing for Barramundi or um, we've got marlin fishing off Cairns and then right down to Fraser Island, um, tailor fishing with the local Aborigine people. Um, which is a really, really cool experience. I've done that with them. Um, the guide there, his name's Andrew. He's uh, a local Aborigine and he, he will start a fire on the beach and cook your fish literally two minutes after catching it. Um, it's it's incredible. It's so cool. Um, and then for us here where we're at, uh, near Byron Bay, we do a lot of, um, we do a rainforest fishing session. So um, up in the, in the hinterland of Byron, we do bass fishing up in the middle of like, the big mountain streams, which is really, really cool. Um, but we have been affected by floods. So that's kind of uh, just on the on the recovery at the moment. Um, and, and a little bit seasonal too. Bass fishing here is is mainly a summer thing. Um, so in the winter, then we focus on our, on our beaches and stuff. But um, yeah, if you, if you need any info, um, obviously jump on the, on the Go Fish Australia website um, and send us an email and... Um, yeah, we can we can book a trip for you. Dude, it sounds amazing. It's like it's it's like a one stop shop of just danger for me. Oh man! <laughs> and you get to well, live that. Yeah, that makes it even I, I'm like I'm like over I'm super jealous, man. And you're living the you're living the dream, man. <laughs> I never I never get sick of hearing that. You know, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, Someone's gonna well, do it. Well, let's talk about that. Hold up, because you. Two, two that have always stung out to me when I that really caught my attention, especially on the website when I was going through it. Um, I was very surprised when uh, Ange came up and told me about these pieces. Like, oh yeah, we do this with uh, one fishing with the Aborigine team because yeah. it's not it's not it's more than just him. I, he has other people that go out with the group, right? Or was it one guide? Um, there is one main guide. I think he does use a couple of other locals, depending on the size of the group. If there's only two or three people, then it might just be just one guide. But um, there's a there's a tribe of Aborigines still on on Stradbroke Island that that he can kind of use if there's a bigger group. So, okay. 
So Everything's very tailored to, to the sun. All right, so you fly out via helicopter to get there because helicopter, you yep, get there. Yep. So you get out there, you fly out, you land, you go fishing for I believe it was four, six, four to six hours or something of that nature. That's right. Yep. And yep. you're learning. I mean, he's he's just firing knowledge at you the whole time. I mean, you're learning while fishing. It's yep. not he's not catching the fish. He's showing you what to do, how to do it, and and talking to you the whole way through. That's Is that right. right? Yeah, that's that's right. And it's a very unique experience. It's something that um that it's not very uh kind of highly offered in australia it's pretty rare to get um that aboriginal experience and um just the knowledge of of the the people and and um just that uh, thousands and thousands of years of doing it it just it just oozes out of him you know he's he's not a a hugely outgoing guy but the the knowledge he has you you just listen you know he's just one of those guys, every word that comes out of his mouth is very, uh, it's very important. And it's just kind of something that you just got to soak in, stay in the moment. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, he if he opened his mouth and told me anything, I would just shut up for hours. But just keep talking. I'm listening. Tell me. Hold on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I threw it there. No, you don't throw it there. That's, where do I throw it? How do I throw it? <laughs> okay. uh, exactly. Yeah. That sounds like so much fun, and I, I can imagine that being a huge oh, experience for inside for any angler. Yeah. What's this helicopter fishing for? What was that again? For Barramundi. Uh huh. What what what's helicopter fishing for Barramundi? So Barramundi uh, are a northern species here in Australia, and um. The further you can get away from civilization, the better the fishing gets. So what better way to jump in a helicopter and just kind of find a place that not many other people have been to, jump out of the helicopter and just catch a barramundi straight off the bank, have it cooked there right in front of you. Island hopping fishing is brilliant. Oh, my God. (laughs) Whoever yeah. came up with that is freaking genius. genius. <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, you know what? I don't want to be around people. What, what are we going to do? Yeah, get in the bird. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yep, we're going. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Pull, pull Arnold Schwarzenegger fishing. Oh, dude, that's got to be so much fun. So do you do you get, do you do that or do you, do you stay on the... On Not the- yet. COVID okay. um, kind of ruined a couple of trips for us. Um, but the tourism industry is slowly crawling its way back um, with international travel opened up now. So fingers crossed in the next probably six to 12 months, we'll um, we'll have a trip up in Darwin. Nice, man. So when people, you were saying, if they want to book a trip or find out anything more about Go Fish Australia, they need to go to the website. Is that correct? Yeah, jump on the website. It's www.gofishaustralia.com.au. And just um, flick us an email and um, let us know what you want to do. And we can build a fishing trip based around what you want to do. So it's super tailored and um, it's an incredible experience. If you ever come down to Australia, you've, you've got to try it. Yeah, that part I heard when and sent me that email. He's like, what kind of fishing do you want to talk about? Like, we'll tailor anything to you. It's like, no, you know, yeah. no, you know, there's, there is limits on the visa card for what I want to be able to fish. no. <laughs> 
And you know, I can extend help. the visa. We'll just, yeah, yeah. We'll just I mean, I, I got the sense <laughs> of it, it through the emails back and forth with you guys that it was literally, hey, you know, I want to do this kind of fishing at this. Okay, no problem. We got you. You, you guys can cover it, yep. take care of it, and get it done. That's it. Yep. That's not healthy for me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Oh, that's <laughs> so. How did you? How did you get involved with uh, Go Fish Australia? So um, I work for a, a tackle shop in 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 town. So, which is a little bit like a Bass Pro shop. It's called BCF, which is um, stands for Boating, Camping, Fishing. So I've been working for them for the last five or so years, five or six years. And um, I just met Anne through BCF. She was um, after some info, and and we just got chatting. And we actually my first job interview where with her, we went out and just sat down and had a beer at the pub, which was good. And, um, yeah, she's, she's so good to get along with. So we got along like house and fire and, and it all stemmed from there. You can't go wrong with an interview starts at a pub. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> it's like the perfect company to work for. Yes. We encourage this. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> In moderation. In moderation. <laughs> In moder- yes. Always important. Uh, all right, working for yeah. BCF, okay, and then Ash, cool, moved in that one. All yeah. right, so let's back it up a little bit further then. What got you into guiding? Well, that's a good question. I, it's a funny story. I've got this mate who has always liked fishing, but he's really crap at it. So I've been guiding him since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> so, and he was... <laughs> He was always pushing me. He's like, man, you've, you've got to be a fishing guide. You're too good at this. He he would always explain how how bad he was, but that going with me made him better. So that kind of started from a young age. And oh, who wouldn't want to be a fishing guide? You know, you go out and take people fishing and experience their first fish with them. It's pretty cool. Oh, there's nothing, nothing quite like somebody's first fish excitement. That adrenaline, that smile. Yep. Yeah. So what sure. what comes with going on a guided trip with you? So with us, we try and keep it as lighthearted as we can. You know, like rule number one is to have fun. Um, whether you're paddling the freshwater streams or, or beach fishing, um, it's always going to be a laugh. It's always going to be uh, informational as well. I like to teach people. I like to have people leave with something that they didn't know before they came. Um and I've had people come on a, on a fishing trip with us and not even be able to cast, never used a rod and reel before. And then to catch them their first fish is just like, it's unreal. Really good. Nice, man. You sound like you run that one. So you do, you don't just do salt charters though. You do fresh and salt, correct? Yes. Yeah, correct. Okay. So, so our freshwater stuff is like um, Australian bass and, and Murray cod. So they're all inland as well. Um, we do have a, a helicopter package as well that you can jump on a helicopter and, and go catch Murray Cod for a day. So you can be in Brisbane one day, go out to the outback, they call it, um, catch a Murray Cod and then fly back to Brisbane for dinner all in a day. You say that way too nonchalantly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I'm so thrilled with this. Uh, so targeting fish really kind of depends on the target on, on the customer, essentially, really. I mean, if they tell you, you want to catch something, if they just tell you, you want to fish, you, you pretty much can tell them, Hey, look, we'll go catch this and we'll go here. 
Yep, definitely. Yeah. So it all depends on the customer um, and the experience they're after as well. You know, some people want to see a platypus or something in real life. So um, we'll take them to one of these bass streams. And then I've taken a group of four um, Americans and I think only one of them picked up a rod for the entire four hours. And I was totally okay with that. They, they were just blown away by the spot and a platypus came up literally a meter away from their kayak as we're paddling along and just has a look at them and then dives off back into the water. But um, they weren't there for the fishing. They were there for the experience as a whole. And I think, yeah, one of them picked up a rod and had a bit of a cast and, and I was just like, oh, well, do you, like, do you want me to catch a fish and show you what they look like? And they were like, yeah, sure. So I picked up a rod and caught them a fish and showed them and they were happy. Way to go, man. I mean, you made their experience. That's, that's huge. You hit it all. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's that's oh. what it's about. Nice job, Cody. Really, I mean, <laughs> you sound like an awesome guy to go on a guided trip with. Just for those points alone, you know, you, you definitely sound very customer forward, and it's you know, all about yep. the experience and having a good time. So, you, I mean, you can tell <clears throat> based on everything you've just said and your demeanor and how I could see you talking. You, I could see that that is so genuine about you. So, bravo, sir. Bravo. No, thanks. Yes, thank you. How is running a charter different than your normal fishing day? That's a good question. I think running a charter does come with a little bit of pressure with some clients, I think. Um, and I think it boils down to um, fish are fish. Sometimes they don't want to eat, you know, like there's no magical um, wand you can wave and just all of a sudden fish start jumping in your boat. But um I think if I if I take um, a client out fishing, it is all about them. And sometimes when I go fishing by myself, um, I go just f- to chill out or, or like it's not generally about how many fish I catch or how big they are. It's just the activity as a whole. So I think that's probably the major two differences. Um, one with the client being having a little bit more pressure on you depending on the client. But um, when I go by myself, it's... Um, Sometimes I'll I'll throw a bait out and just sit down and watch the waves for a while and just chill. Bait check. Oh yeah, number two bait checks being brought to you today by Sword Fishing Products. Head on over to swordfishingproducts.com or swordtools.com. They will both bring you there and get yourself all set up with the really great fillet knives and utility knife that they have available they have special editions out at this time so you can get your hands on these great blades they are sharp they are strong they are durable and they have a lifetime warranty no questions asked lifetime warranty many questions about that reach on out to sword they'll tell you the stories and if you listen back to their episode they'll tell you about one certain blade so head on over to swordfishingproducts.com Get yourself all set up with a great set of fillet knives and bait knives and tools that you could use. Thanks, Sword. Appreciate you. This is not on the paper, so I'm going to throw you a fun curve here, but I also want it for other people. So cool. you're just south of Gold Coast. Uh, Byron Bay is down there. So running M1 north from Byron Bay to Brisbane. How long is the drive? Yep. Uh, about three, three and a half hours. So for 
a fun reference for people when you start thinking three and three and a half hours here. That's almost the distance from Connecticut to the southern tip of Maine. So when you guys start looking at these trips for Australia, remember, Australia fits in the U.S. continent quite nicely, and it's a giant country. It is not tiny by any way, shape, or form. Um, as I see here also, I mean, you're, where are you guys? You're situated pretty well. Come on. Byron Bay to Sydney, though, is what? Seven? Seven hour drive? Yeah, yeah seven, seven and a half if you get a bad run. <clears throat> no. But Sydney is the main airport for flying to get there, correct? That'd be right. Yeah. Yep. No. So if you when you fly into Sydney to go to the East Coast, be ready for a little bit of a drive up the road a bit to get to the other places for fishing. But M1, uh, M1 and A1, all I see is just danger zone of happiness to stop and fish the entire way up the whole coastal side. And you've yep. got yep. so much you can go with between rivers, lagoons, surf, national parks. I mean it's it's dangerous because it's perfect on that one but between the northern territory all the way back down to sydney with being so much coastline what is the big difference in fish population as in species between that northern and southern area that's a good question i think um well once you get from say byron bay down to sydney it's a very very populated coast so um the fishing pressure and and that sort of thing is higher um, when you get from, say, Brisbane to Cairns, the towns get further apart, the weather gets hotter, and the, the, the amount of people that live there is less. So, And I might just touch on the danger from Brisbane north gets increases, I guess, like with your crocodiles and uh, snakes and all that sort of stuff. So people generally don't just jump in a kayak and go paddle up in a stream up in Townsville or, or Cairns because you might not be paddling home. Um, but like, I think the fish up there are a more tropical style fish. So you get your mackerel, your trevally, barramundi, banger of jack, all that, that sort of thing. And then from say Brisbane down, you get a lot more of your Southern cold water fish. So your, your tuna, your mackerel, um, and your, your brim and tailor and that sort of thing. So I think there's there's a bit of a blend where we are in Byron Bay is kind of the changeover from from that tropical species down to the colder kind of species you catch. And that's what I had a feeling of. So with the coastline differential that we were talking about with the size from the north to the southern territory, it's kind of how I look at the eastern seaboard of uh, you know, the Atlantic Ocean along the U.S., you know, if you get to Virginia, yep. mid-country, <clears throat> you, you get a decent mixture of all types of fish. But it could also be the splitting point between striper, striped bass, north, uh, bluefish, the size changes once they start going south. Pompano stop, uh, the Florida Pompano, or the Pompano in general, they are, though they are Florida Pompanos, what I guess the proper name being. You know, they get into the Carolinas, and then they'll start doing a little bit of Virginia, and then they'll kind of start turning south before they hit Maryland and the northern port there. But with your countryside being the kind of the same differential, and that's what I was thinking, is that, all right, with your two zones, because it is split, the temperature is going to change between that much land in the water. Uh, I had a feeling that's kind of cool that you were able to tell me that. Thanks on that. Uh, but with yeah. the Northern Territory like that, and you started telling me about the uh, 
things that are going to kill you in the water. It reminded me of the pilot <laughs> I was talking about for pre-show. Uh, my my, we had a great pilot when I was in the Marines. We had an exchange program with the Australian Air Force, and we switched pilots. And he came over and flew with us on our deployment. And he he reminded me, he's like, Gunny, just remember, everything in Australia wants to kill and eat you. So it was kind of like well, that's really comforting. And he's like, don't worry, it's all you'll be okay. And I was like, no, nothing about that sounds good. Oh, uh, look, I think I think we talk it up a bit too much too. It's not that bad. You've just got to be careful. It's like anything. Um, yeah. If you you meet up with a local, they will know the right practice, and if if they should be running you through the right practice in certain parts of the country, you know. From Brisbane down south, you're pretty safe. Just don't get bitten by a brown snake or redback spider or anything like that. Oh, I thought, I thought you were about to give me like a list of creatures. Like, don't don't touch this. Don't play with that. Watch out for this. And I've heard about the spider. <laughs> I've heard evil things oh, yeah. about the damn spider. Yeah. yeah Not great. <laughs> oh, that, that's just comical right there in itself. All right. Back, back, into, back into this fun part here. Um because now I'm going to have to go back and ask questions, but we're going to, we're going to continue here. What have been some most yep. valuable lessons learned after starting and running a charter business? That's a good question. So valuable lessons, I think, um, is you've got to take each client um, individually. Um, you, you don't know people's background. You've got to, got to get to know people very quickly. Um, and just being a good judge of character on what a client wants or simply just asking them, what are you looking to get out of, of this experience? You know, being upfront and open with people gets you a long way, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would kind of say to that. What has been your personal favorite fishing memory? Oh, this is a tough one because there's been so many. I think one that stands out for me is I took a, a mate of mine Barramundi fishing up in um, central Queensland, so kind of halfway up Queensland. We'd been fishing for five days for Barramundi. I think I'd caught like five or six. He hadn't caught anything. And he's watching me and he's really like wanting to learn. And he's watching and you've got to twitch your lure like every kind of second, like twitch, pause, twitch, pause. And um, he's watching me, watching me. And as my lure is coming close to the boat, kind of like, 12, 15 foot away from the boat, a barramundi eats my lure, jumps out of the water, lands in the water, jumps out of the water, lands in the boat. And this thing is like 85 centimeters, like 15, 20 pounds. And it is going mental. And there's hooks and stuff flying everywhere. And we're both in hysterics laughing. And he was quick enough and smart enough to grab the net. And he actually netted it to the floor of the boat so it couldn't break all our gear. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one is, is one of hundreds and hundreds of stories, but it was, a, yeah, that stands out. It was pretty funny. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, full of fight and in the boat in less than five seconds. Oh man, he is pissed. Yep. I mean, that he is was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about fishing? Oh, that's a, that's a good question as well. I, I'd have to say, the feeling you get from either catching a fish or putting your time and effort and focus into into catching that trophy fish and then watching it swim away is 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 unreal. It's so hard to explain. And I guess if you're listening to this podcast, you've you've probably got that same feeling. It's it's 
irreplaceable with any alcohol or drugs or anything like it is a drug fishing is is the most addictive drug ever so yeah i think the feeling you get from um from rewarding yourself for putting in time and effort and catching that that once in a lifetime trophy fish yeah the tug is definitely the drug yeah <laughs> sure. just sits there and all of a sudden it bends and you're like, <laughs> yes oh we're fun. on we're on oh, love that man <laughs> love that I, I know this isn't in the questions you do some night fishing right i do yeah yeah so do you use uh glow sticks on the line or on the rod i generally use like a um a glow stick on the you call them spikes the like a tube that goes into the sand and then i just use it and then i just use a a ratchet on the reel so i don't really use any glow sticks oh wow okay yeah yeah that's i mean that's a hell of a warning the ratchet going off so that that's your yeah okay you you guys would have bait runners over there where you can like flick the switch on the back of your reel and there's zero drag no tension yeah so that's what we use at night okay so that's your alarm all right so i normally i normally use um I think it's out sunny. I'll have to relook it up. But there's these little glow sticks. They're maybe an inch and a half, two inches long that attach to the tip of the rod. Then they stay out of the okay. they're out of the way of the guides and everything. So all you have at night is, you know, you've got pitch black, but then you've got just this little green light at the very tip. Cool. That stupid thing, when it bend that rod bends and that glow stick is wiggling, that is a whole different adrenaline than day fishing for me. I don't know why. <laughs> but man, yeah. I instantly like yeah, let's do it. You know, you just, you just go nuts. So I, I, yeah, I can imagine like the sound because I have the exact same thing um, that the bell sound essentially on my Accios, um, my six five six. You put that on, and it's just you hear that drag. And, oh, yeah, I, oh, I could use that as my ringtone on my go. phone. I reckon. <laughs> I might have to send you. I might have to send you the one I have. So unfortunately, because we're doing this live, and I'll have to edit this out. Um, Every 25 minutes, I do a bait check, <clears throat> and it's what it, the sound for the bait check is actually my real sound on drag getting pulled. So it's, oh. I know it's a little tingler, man. I'll have to send, I'll That's, send you the audio file so you have it. Yeah, so it, it, please. It's do. a good one to make for a ringtone. Okay, almost done. What is a bucket list fish for you to catch? I put a bit of thought into this. I, I, I think we spoke offline earlier about, um, are large and smallmouth bass as easy to catch as you would think. And I I reckon I would love to to come over and do some freshwater fishing for large or smallmouth. I think our, our, um, our Australian bass are very similar to your smallmouth. They can be really finicky, but when they're on, they're really on. Like it's, it's a, bit, a bit of both. But, yeah, I would really love to catch um, a, a largemouth. I reckon that's what I'd go with. Oh, man, you're going to love it when you come here then. Because if you if you did yeah. came, if you did come to Florida, um, and if you went specifically, well, our area is great for it. <clears throat> but if you went to the East Coast side, you'd be able to go largemouth, smallmouth, and then peacock bass in a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so sign me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about that over in the Jacksonville and St. Augustine area of people being able to catch peacock bass and then going in, inland and getting large and smallies. Yeah, we need to do that. that. (laughs) It's funny. We're both like, yeah, yeah. I'll go there for a week. You go here for a week. We'll we'll call it good. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds awesome. 
with that, so with the also with the bucket list, there also comes always the ideal, like I'd love to go here. Where would be a dream yep. place for you to go try and fish? I've got to go to Gunnersville, I reckon. Gunnersville. All right. Where's that? Yeah. That's a no. um a bass lake. Oh, okay. In America. That's yep. why I don't know. Yep. That that it, that hits it right there. Everybody's like, how do you not know this? I know this. Everybody in the episode's like, how do you not know? Because I suck <laughs> at freaking freshwater fishing. You all know this about me. <laughs> Worst freshwater fisherman I ever met. Just ask my cousin. Yeah, but, they um they run a couple of rounds of the um major league bass pro comps, I guess you'd call them over there. Gunnersville always just looks awesome. All right, I'm gonna Google it. I'm, I'll do that before the end of the night. Okay, so last two questions that aren't on the paper. All right. First All one, right. what is something you recommend to a new angler before they ever go out fishing for the very first time? My answer to that would be stop in at your, your local tackle shop and just ask them five questions. Where, where are the fish biting? What bait are they using? What gear should I be using? Line, leader, that sort of thing, etc. But yeah, definitely stop in and get some local knowledge. That's that's one thing I would um, highly recommend if you're just getting started. I love that answer, man. I always do. All right. Yep. Here's the last one. It's a big one. What's next for you? Ooh, good question. That's that's deep. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, I mean, um, I'm actually just getting into building my own lures. So... Um, me and my dad have set up a workshop in our shed, so I'm kind of hand carving some um, some timber lures for bass and cod and stuff around here. So I think that's that's kind of something I can work towards definitely in the next few years. So congratulations, man! That's got a that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I love it. So are you hand carving like whittle cart, or are we doing what are we? Are um, we doing? a little bit. So we've got three power tools. We use like a bandsaw. Uh, a scroll saw and a, a belt sander. So basically, you carve you carve them out, and then um, and then sand them back, hand paint them, and and go from there. So these are some ones that I finished the other day. I don't know if you can be able to see these, but they're like kind of crankbait style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big head, small body. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that yellow and black. That's gonna so, get you in trouble. Yeah, definitely. That's my favorite. Bait check. Bait check number three. This bait check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at everything that they have in the shop. Not only are they Ninja Tackle, they're also Ninja Tactical. That's right. They have added optics and other firearm utilities to get yourself set up if you're in that realm and want to get yourself some good gear take a look at that he also sells rigs fishing lures rods in case you didn't know <laughs> that's right ninja tackles got you covered great shipping options very fast and extremely responsive to all messages so head on over to ninjatackleva.com and get yourself set up thank you so much ninja tackle i appreciate you congratulations man that's really super Super being on the move there. At least you know, hey, I'm going to keep moving, keep growing, keep doing all those good things. Yeah. Well, we're coming yeah. up on the hopefully, hopefully, the um, some, Go ahead. um, hopefully the international um, travel and stuff can come back so we can start kind of getting some tours done and 
showing some people what we have to offer down here. Now you got me hooked already, and not all pun intended, I guess, but I am I am excited to get out there and come down and take a look and come fishing there because it just sounds – everything that you told me about Go Fish Australia with tailoring it to anyone on that, but also the idea of being able to go fish with you, knowing you know the area yeah. and all the things you have said, it sounds like the perfect way to plan a trip is to come down, you know, get in touch with Ange beforehand, get all set up, you know, know you're going to get that, go out with you, go out with the Aborigine team, you know, go out and see these things, but see your country and enjoy the fishing there. Cause it sounds awesome. It sounds like it's a great time. Yeah, it is hundred percent. Again, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, I appreciate it. I know it's the start of your day, the end of mine here. And I'm very thankful for this whole episode that you gave me and so much great knowledge out there, man. You've definitely given me a couple things to think about changing up on a few of my tactics and I'm sure that it definitely helped quite a few listeners tonight as it's man, fishing's fishing, but you, you gave some great nuggets of knowledge. So thank you very much for that. Oh, awesome, mate. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Well, we will talk soon. And then uh, we'll get all that info out on all the links and everything. And we'll talk then. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. You've been. I hope this episode helped you because it seriously helped me. Uh, go fish Australia has got a ton of great things set up for you to go ahead and take a look at to go out. If you plan on going down to the East coast of Australia for fishing, they can get you out on any different way you want. As you heard, Cody is one of the guides. He's going to get you out there, get you on the fish. Uh, you just can't go wrong. So that's gofishaustralia.com.au. Make sure you take a look at that for the website and all the information on there. They're also on your social media platforms of Facebook and I believe Instagram. I'll double check. It should all be good there. But Thanks so much for taking a listen to the episode. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I'm out of here.